0: This is Mark Mullinax, and I welcome you back to Power for the Peaceful, a podcast and class on Taoism. Today, verse 13, free mind, free body.
1: When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says if you're listening. When you listen to the ground and you put your roots down, you can hear what she says, if you're listening, the sweet sound of the river her as she moves over the stones. The same song that the blood in your body sings as it weaves around your bones. When you're listening, when you're listening, are you listening?
2: Traditions are the guideposts driven deep in our subconscious minds. The most powerful ones are those we can't even describe, aren't even aware of. Ellen Goodman. We create our buildings and then they create us. Winston Churchill.
0: Welcome back. Mickey Moreno is our reader today. He is a Tai Chi and Jigong teacher from Flat Rock, North Carolina. I have one piece of listener advice. There are two words ahead that some podcasters would keep out, but I have left them in. So today in our verse 13, Lao Tzu questions us about our consciousness of our bodies and how, when honor and dishonor, gain and loss happen, these events teach us about how we are to regard our bodies this verse also raises a Taoist human nature question about what having a body means in the very first place let's go first to today's verse and translation verse 13 fleeting sensations be equally startled by both dishonor and by honor each hinges on our sense of self our body High status dismays one as much as sorrow, and both are temporary fruits of ignorance. What then is meant by honor and dishonor equally causing one to startle? To gain or hold on to honor and praise is a sordid affair. Even though temporary, gain and loss are unsettling. Either way, you lose your grounding, so stay alert. Why do gain and loss equally afflict us. We have a body and are ever conscious of its fleeting sensations of both great blessing and great suffering within it. You know this. The trusted leader loves her body as she loves her world. Knowing she cares for both, we are assured her judgments are trustworthy and wise. Winning, losing, being noticed or not, High honor, low dishonor, gain and loss are discussed throughout this verse and are all tied into the body. So it's time to have a lesson on Taoism's sense of what the body actually is. Or in other words, what is our human nature? This lesson on Taoism's view of the body is important for another reason. Taoism is the fundamental knowledge base for TCM, traditional Chinese medicine, which diagnoses diseases and maladies as imbalances within the body, and treats these illnesses with the rebalancing of hormones within, food take into, and movement of one's body. So TCM teaches that to nourish one's life and self-cultivation is a healthy, even a holy, practice of living in one's body. Certain movements or foods or medicines nourish life and promote longevity, even potential immortality. Now, fresh out of our mother's wombs, our bodies are, for the most part, already aligned, balanced, and healthy. Disease, dishonor, loss, and losing are the result of misalignment. Something is not as it was supposed to be. Misalignments can come from simply forgetting who we are, but also they can come from believing the wrong stories about who we and our bodies actually are. So the body, your body, is very important in Taoism, not just as a small-scale working version of Tao itself, but also as a place for kindness and wisdom to emerge to influence the larger world towards harmony. But of course, there's this big, however, I've spoken often of the disruptive force of ego, that self-centered practice of a tiny, itsy-bitsy story of one's self based upon the consciousness we have of our bodies. Sometimes we're up and sometimes we're down. And these feelings permeate our bodies. They affect them so much. Ego, let's assure ourselves, is an acquired trait, not a natural one. So when ego starts driving our bodies, we begin this narrative imbalance that places ego demands, an alien sense of self, into a body unprepared for such demands. New but artificial sensations arise like worrying about status or being honored or losing honor and all other kinds of bodily related states. Such states, whether high or low, are temporary phantoms that visit us and shake us
2: out of balance. When your mind is full of assumptions, conclusions and beliefs, it has no penetration. It just repeats past impressions. Sadguru. Guru.
0: How did this happen? Here's one response and I believe is how ego happens. Does it ring true with you? From the instant you awoke this morning, you awoke inside a self-spun story that you have been inside for perhaps decades. It begins like this every morning as you wake up from sleep. Well, here I am, back again, conscious, awake, I think. Good. And before we clothe ourselves in clothes, we dress ourselves in this story, and this narrative that we made up in our minds and in which we inhabit, usually without questioning. The story that we remind ourselves of in the first few moments of wakefulness could go like this. I am a hard worker, a good parent, a decent partner, a productive and not a wasteful person, and someone who always tries their best. Oh, there's this new pain in my knee, maybe from all those stairs yesterday. And just like that, with our thoughts, our worlds get made and remade. And with a narrative that becomes more and more grounded into us, the more we repeat it. This world we made up becomes ever harder to disbelieve, ever more resistant to anything but this story. And every day we merge our stories into the already agreed upon stories, wink, wink, of spouse, children, workplace, religious house, nation, and world. Our stories of self help us to fit into these worlds. And we think these stories help us to thrive. Now we do make our worlds by thinking, and we think it's fine, natural even. We even bring in Darwin. We do what we do to survive. What's the harm? Everyone's doing it, right? Well, here's the Tao issue, though. The mind is a sense organ too, and we use our brains in the same way that we use ears or eyes, that is to sense or to suss out things only within a narrow and ever-repeating range that we have come into our repetitive story-making, something that we feel is normal. We don't think, see, touch, smell, or hear with all our purpose and might, but use our senses only to certify or convince ourselves of that small arc of a huge universe of possibility
2: is the only story there is for us. We take a handful of sand from the endless landscape of awareness around us and we call that handful of sand the world. Robert Piercy.
0: All our personal story making out of our partial sensory processing promises an unfortunate byproduct ego. Who is being promoted? Just who is trying to persist and persevere? I, in quotation marks, I am. My mind cannot, or somehow has chosen not to regard the entire, vast, unitary universe, but selects one incredibly tiny, itsy, bitsy percentage of it, insert your name here, and starts narrating from that super micro point of view. As we think so, we live. And just like that, I seems real. And surprise, surprise, I just happen to be located at the exact center of a universe revolving around me. And everything that is real is happening in my movie, so to speak. How cool. This universe is all about and for me. In every one of our personal stories, the ethic becomes this. What is good for me is good. What is bad for me is bad. You know, things are bad when the ego becomes a judge of goodness and badness. So in every second of our waking lives, we create this artificial chasm between the world as we want or imagine it to be and the world as it really is. How long, how long can we do this? This mistaking the real world with this dumbed down, heavily redacted world we've hallucinated through our allegedly trustworthy senses just like everyone thinks they're a good driver, so everyone actually believes that what they think, that their stories are correct, and they energetically act upon them.
2: We seldom realize, for example, that our most private thoughts and emotions are not actually our own. For we think in terms of languages and images, which we did not invent, but which were given to us by our society, Alan Watts
0: The result is that we are each in these discrete bodies, or as Alan Watts aptly described it, these bags of skin, a body for which we may have twisted views. In our small stories, the sense sensations getting to our brains have added steroids of self and ego. Everything is running on ego gas. We eventually grind to a halt, you know. We get stuck because artificialness cannot endure for long. It always ends in some crisis. But strangely, getting stuck is good news. Stuckness should not be avoided so much because it's the psychic predecessor of all real understanding, a sign that you are near a breakthrough. You keep on doing your little tiny ego story until one day your story falls apart. It just cannot handle these larger truths of the universe as you mistake the handful of sand on your beach for the universe. Now, it'll take a moment of honesty to realize how one story about everything in the universe revolving around me is not true. But the good news is that all lies have expiration dates.
1: When you listen, listening, when you listen, nay, are you listening? When you listen, listening, when you listen are you listening?
0: So Tao's truth in this verse 13 is to show us how vulnerable and, and fragile are our ego-assisted stories about ourself. These stories quickly fail as we keep on repeating their shrill claims. We find no one but ourselves to blame, you know. The mind is not all yours, but you are responsible for it, right? Our small stories quickly show their true colors when we keep on insisting that our bodies, our bags of skin, must prevail when all rational evidence shows first that we are part of much larger stories. The longer we operate outside these larger stories, we become increasingly isolated by the deficits we weave into our reductive, itsy bitsy stories of self. And as our verse says, we only harvest the fruits of ignorance. We lose our grounding. We suffer inasmuch as we give credence, authority, confidence, and permanence to fleeting sensations and thoughts. Are we ready to exchange stories with a short shelf life for stories that last and stories that include? We do have a body, or rather, we are bodies. Bodies that we are responsible for and should love. Love them as the sensible wisdom reservoirs that they are. Honor your body like you honor anyone who gives you life. Free up your body to do what it loves and knows already. In this loving freedom, there's less room for ego self stories. For when you're free, freed up, you use the body to be in service to others. This is the prescription of every spirituality on earth worthy of the name dying to self even to the point of the body's actual dying is the small sacrifice we make to remain involved as a free agent in the world
1: when you listen, listening when you're listening are you listening when you're listening when you listening are you listening
0: Earlier in my life, I grew up in a spiritual tradition that not just neglected, but hated the body. The body was was both the genesis and the epicenter of every evil. To my adolescent body, that evil was labeled sexual. And I became at one point an active hater of all things sexual. I hardly recognized, though, how I was just pushing all those feelings aside, sweeping them under the rug until a future day of reckoning. And while I'm not totally freed up from this neurosis, I do know better. And I do know this true spirituality or a true path of the soul is inclusive and never neglectful of the body, any body, all bodies. In my career of teaching the academic study of religion, folks used to ask me about some new religion or spiritual sensation they had heard about, and they wanted my opinion My response was always this question. What does this spirituality say about your body? Is it a bad or a good? And what about women's bodies? Gay bodies, trans bodies, dark-skinned bodies, old bodies? Does this spirituality you've heard about honor and include all these storied bodies Is the body a battle zone for competing spirits and stories, or the most basic trusted element of everyone's existence? If the body is taught as bad, I said, don't waste your time. For if, or when, a spiritual teaching about one's body becomes a story of how it is a war zone, or a walking toxic dump, something to evade, neglect, and dismiss in favor of one's spiritual trip to a bodiless afterlife, then the body will ever remain an untrustworthy thing. Make no mistake, this verse ends with a sublime and necessary trust in the body. That is, someone not trusting of their body might not be trustworthy in any other endeavor. So in Taoism, we are to love our bodies. And when we trust our bodies, we treat them well. We don't feed them BS. While our verse today begins with a mistrust of the bodily senses that are driven by ego, ultimately this verse breaks into a beautiful poem of a fundamental trust in the body itself, concluding, The trusted leader loves her body as she loves her world. Knowing she cares for both, we are assured her judgments are trustworthy and wise. Or as Stephen Mitchell interpreted the same line, See the world as yourself. Have faith in the way things are, love the world as yourself, then you can care for all things.
2: The essence of the independent mind lies not in what it thinks, but how it thinks. Christopher Hitchens
0: So why this focus on the body? The wondrous processes that are Tao that ever births this universe in spontaneous, unplanned, and wondrous ways are the same processes in, of, and ever accompanying our body. Nothing is unnecessary in Tao, even our body. Therefore, the body and all its processes, even a dark-skinned, lesbian adolescent body in a religious spirituality that would cancel her body and never see it except as a disturbing question, her body is as necessary as it is necessarily good. This is the great message of Tao. Tao does not make shit, nor does Tao make shit up. May we please graduate past the immature spiritualities that would keep bodies enslaved to their small stories and come to see whatever body we have is wondrous, necessary, and with functions to play. We do not have to consign ourselves to lifetimes of ego dominating and ever having its small story way in our body. We can do ego removal surgery ourselves. How? Give yourself away. Just like people in your past have given of themselves to you and made you into who you are. Give yourself away to this earth, to the animals, to plants, to other humans, for you would not be or be here had it not been for the earth, the animal, these plants, and other human beings to start a long list, who gave up of themselves for you. Likewise, give yourself away, all of you, every time, because in giving yourself away, ego has no place. Annie Dillard, in her book about how to write, has the same sentiment. One of the few things I know about writing, she said, is this, spend it all, shoot it, play it, lose it, all, right away and every time. Do not hoard what seems good for a later place in the book or for another book. Give it, give it all, give it now. Anything you do not give freely, and abundantly becomes lost to you. Annie Dillard, The Writing Life. Homework. See your body as wondrous, as wondrous as the world. Go outside and behold a tree, a stream, a huge rock, whatever's there. Your meditation, see and honor how the same flow and laws of your body are the same flow and laws of that tree, stream, rock, or whatever particle of creation you contemplate, even that mosquito near your ear. See them all as yourself. We are no different than these. And now Mickey Moreno has this question for us to ponder.
2: My question is on beginner's mind. I teach Qigong and Tai Chi. So, I'm a student and also a teacher. And I'm very interested in the idea of beginner's mind. The problem for me often and for students that I have is in beginner's mind, is there an intention or a goal, or is it simply open observation? First
0: of all, to our listeners, Beginner's mind is a Zen Buddhist concept. Having a beginner's mind means you ever and always approach the world with a beginner's eyes. It means you look at every situation you're placed in as if it's the first time you're seeing it, which means ego has very little to say here. Your question has many forms, Mickey. My students would ask it in this form when I taught how in Buddhism and Taoism, desires Stimulate most of the suffering in life. Well, they rightly ask, what about my desire to be a great biologist, or a great marriage partner, or a great parent? What about my desire to love God better? And their questions mirror yours, Mickey, because while we should be suspicious of our desires, having a single intention or desire that is one's life pole star, giving us energy direction of movement toward a goal, this is healthy. There's a necessary place for it. I would go on and say that this purpose is you sinking with Tao. So there are shades of desires we should, well, desire, and shades of desire which we should seek to diminish. Bottom line, right intentions do have their healthy place. The Buddha had a lot to say about healthy intentions. Some even translate one of the eightfold path he delineated as right intention good intentions come from having right views, that is, generous understandings of things. Right actions come as natural fruits of having right intentions. So yes, there is a good place for right intentions or right goals in the beginner's mind. It could be the intention to become a better meditator, a healthier friend, an improved citizen of the world, better connected to neighbors. As long as you do not deny your natural body or dismiss or hurt others, These are all healthy intents in themselves. When you identify good intentions within your beginner's mind, and these intentions bring more community, more love, more justice to this world, I see nothing wrong with such intention. Whose unity do you serve? Your small story of self and self only, or the larger story of which you are but a part, and an important part at that. When we intend rightly and responsibly, it is hard to intend wrongly. A freed mind in a freed body is not just our intention, but is what Tao bursts in us all the time. Then you, acting out Tao's huge story in your corner of the universe, changes and brings harmonic justice everywhere you go and are. Thank you, Mickey. This podcast is an original labor of love, designed, written, and co-produced by many whose central idea is that Tao Te Ching is good news for today. Tao still speaks. Mickey Moreno spoke our quotes this time. Audrey Davis is our artist. Molly Hartwell sings her song, Put Your Roots Down. Fortress Press holds the copyright for quotations from my Tao Te Ching translation. Thanks to you, for your attendance in this class on Dallas. May your days begin in peace and become wombs for radical hope. When you
1: listening, when you listening, are you listening?